Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel from Anshayamit Synagogue and author Jonathan Eig as they talk about this week's Torah portion of Shmini, The Sounds of Silence, Getting Comfortable with Being Quiet. The question that's going to be raised in the portion this week, Shmini, is how does a person respond to tragedy? Mm-hmm. You think about, and, you, and you're an author, and you've written about some of the most remarkable people of, uh, I think most of them are in the 20th century. And each one of those people not only had moments of glory, but they also had moments of trauma. So you, you're sort of an expert on examining not only how people deal with triumph, but how people also deal with tragedy and trauma. And I, I think that, there, that each of these people, whether it's Muhammad Ali or Jackie Robinson or even Al Capone, you know, they all deal differently. Is that something you've ever considered? Oh, I've thought about it a lot. And, and not just in my books, but as a newspaper reporter, you know, especially as a young newspaper reporter, they would throw you into scenes of horrible tragedy and expect you to make a story about it quickly. Sometimes, you know, the same day, you know, you'd go and interview somebody who had just lost a loved one, somebody whose child had been killed in, you know, violence or some terrible accident. And, you know, then you have to go and, and talk to those people and expect them to tell their story. And, you know, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is knock on the door and say, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I heard about, you know, what happened. And will you tell me about this person who you lost? Will you tell me about the story? And it was a terrible job. You know, it's something I, in some ways I regret ever doing, because I feel like I was imposing and taking advantage of people. Um, but at the same time, I was so inspired sometimes by the stories and by the by the, the courage. And, and the first thing that comes to mind really is some of those people who I could barely even look at. I was so sad for them. I was so moved by the tragedy they had been through. And yet they were they were trying to to make something of it, trying to a remember the person they'd lost, and then b think about what they could do to move on and make better, or or make sure it didn't happen to someone else again. I, I can think of some good friends here in Chicago who I've known now for something like twenty five years because I wrote a story about their infant child being killed in a terrible accident, and they've devoted so much of the rest of their lives to making products like the one that killed their son safe for others. Uh, so that it won't happen again. They've saved so many lives. And I just think that that's what comes to mind is, you know, what do you do when, when you're struck with tragedy? Can you, can you find a way to think about others? Can you find a way to, to go on and not let that tragedy swallow you? I hear you talking about two different things. Like, how do we respond in the moment? And what do we do with our pain? Mm. I have to say that I am somewhat resentful when I watch cable news, which I'm sure all of us do. And, you know, there's some plane crash or tragedy or shooting. Those are usually the most prevalent, ironically and um, sadly. And they'll put a microphone in front of someone's face and say, well, how are you dealing with this? Or, you know, how are you feeling right now? And we're all this kind of voyeuristic moment. We're all kind of lean forward. And it's such a horrible question to ask a person and, and to, and so intrusive because we, we don't, we're not allowing for is silence, right? Just to sit, let me sit with my pain. 
let me cry. Let me go through my agony and please take your camera away. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. What's so interesting is we see this with Aaron in this portion. The portion is called Shemini, which is eighth, the eighth day. And the tabernacle, which was uh, built in during the last chapters of Exodus, is now being dedicated by the priests in the book of Leviticus. And Aaron, as the high priest, this is his greatest day. And this is it. This is the pinnacle of his career, to dedicate the tabernacle, the place of God, the indwelling place of God. And on that day... His sons are going to take what's called a Eish Zarah, a strange fire, which the rabbis almost all interpret as some sort of pagan ritual. They bring it into the Holy of Holies right before the Ark itself, and God incinerates them. They're dead, and on this day of greatest joy becomes the great day of greatest sadness. And there's Aaron standing there, and Moses jumps in, as, as people often do, to try and explain the moment, to make the pain somehow, uh, to ameliorate the pain in some way. And he says, well, this is what God meant when God said that those who come closest to me are the most holy, right? That this is, there's a certain holiness to that moment, that when you come closest to God. So in a sense, what he was saying to them is that they've become a sacrifice. It's like the equivalent of saying, God needed another angel in heaven, so he took your child. Right. And so how does Aaron respond to Moses? It says, Vaidom Aharon, and Aaron was silent. But the word Edom, Vidom is, is a strange one, because it, later on in the Bible, when Joshua makes the sun stand still at a, at a battle, it says, Vaidom et Hashemesh, that the sun was made quiet. So this word has an interesting derivative. And in another place with Elijah, there's a something called a still small voice, a kol daka. So there's an inward murmuring. So either Aaron's feeling the fire of the sun in anger and rage, or he is just inward, not knowing what to do with his feelings. But either way, that's what he's experiencing in the moment. And Moses isn't letting him have that. Moses is just trying to explain it away and, you know, put up armor. You'll get over this. Don't worry, pal. Let's move on. Because that works for Moses. This is a theological problem for Moses, too. So Moses explains it. But Aaron won't have any of it. So he's silent in the moment. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I, I'm the guy who was acting like Moses and not giving people their silent moments when I was knocking on doors. And, um, you know, I don't think I could do that anymore. I think, you know, I've learned or I've matured enough to realize that like, it's not my place. People should speak when they feel like speaking or act when they feel like acting. And I hope that people had the strength to say no uh, sometimes when I knocked on those doors. But I think that the important thing is that you need to deal with that on your own schedule and your own time. I have I have not suffered, thank God, the way um, some of these people have, um, the way Aaron was suffering. But I would think that I would just want to be left alone and figure out where to go from there. You know, it's an interesting thing. In the laws of mourning, the Jewish laws of mourning, when you go to a shiva house, when you go to make a condolence call, the halacha is that the mourner 
is identifiable because they're wearing torn clothes and they've torn their clothes as a sign of mourning. And they're sitting in a low chair because they're suffering. Mm -hmm. And the physical position of the person is allowing the mourner to suffer. Our response is, here, let me get you a pillow. Let me take care of you. But what it's saying is, let the person have their pain. Let them sit. Let them mourn. And that's hard for us, right, as the people are coming to comfort because it makes us uncomfortable. Their sadness bothers us so often, right? So which is why people go to Shiva houses and they change the subject. What, how are the Cubs going to do this year? What's going on, you know, with this president or what's going on in Israel? Or I got a joke for you. Or, you know, you, you know, all of the things that are suggesting to the mourner that it's not okay just to mourn, mm-hmm. not okay to be Aaron, not okay to be sitting in silence, not okay to be angry, not okay to, you know, sit with their dead before them and say, I am lost. I'm feeling lost right now. And I don't really need you, thank you very much, to tell me it's going to be okay. But there's something else that the laws of mourning do. And that is we're supposed to sit down next to the person without speaking. Instead of of saying, you know, I don't know what to say or, God, I'm so sorry. And how people fall all over themselves in those moments because they don't exactly know what to say because there is no good thing to say. Instead, the, the halacha, the Jewish law tells us, Just sit with a person quietly. Don't say anything. If they talk to you, great. You can respond to what they're saying, right? Don't you initiate the conversation. Allow the mourner to guide the conversation. And then the question is, well, what happens if the mourner doesn't say anything? They just don't feel like talking. They're just sitting and looking straight ahead or close their eyes or whatever. They're just not, they don't want to, they're not engaging with you. Then after three minutes, you should say to the person, there's a formula. May God grant you comfort along with those who mourn in Zion, Yerushalayim, and throughout the world. And you get up and you leave. Mm-hmm. That's the very inverse of you as a reporter knocking on someone's door. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the things that has come with maturity is just the appreciation for silence and the appreciation for listening uh, because the reporter knocking on the door sometimes the you know the mourner visiting for shiva is not listening they're talking out of nervousness sometimes out of a feeling like uh, that you have to do something and talking becomes a stand-in for doing something but actually listening is the greater act and the more compassionate act there and it's hard you know you have to really practice it i think and being comfortable that if someone else is uncomfortable mm-hmm And that what you have accomplished is just going there and your presence is the comforting factor. Not what you're going to say. There aren't words that are going to take the person's pain away. Rather, it's just sitting with the person and saying, I'm I'm here. I care about you. I care deeply about you. And uh, I think it's just a, a powerful thing to think about. Can we allow Aaron to be silent in the face of, uh, in the face of tragedy, in the face of loss. I would just raise this with you because, you know, you you have been very open about your feelings about those moments when you knocked on someone's door. My sense is, is that if you were starting out as a, a newspaper person or whatever, a reporter today, that 
you wouldn't have the luxury of saying no. In fact, it's much worse today. Now, I'm not even sure they're looking for that kind of feel-good story. They just want to hear the reaction in the moment. So I don't know that you could even avoid it today at all, and I think it's actually much worse. It probably is, because now you'd have to have the camera going, too. Um, at least I was able to you know, keep my notebook in my pocket until the person said it was okay for me to, to that they wanted to talk. So it probably would be worse today, but I also think that as I've gotten older and wiser, I hope that I, I don't think I could do that job today. I yeah. think I would have to beg off of the assignment. And um, it was, you know, that's why it's best to hire young people for those jobs, I guess. Yeah, I think the older we get, part of the wisdom is to understand that silence has a place in our lives. And it's okay to be quiet sometimes and just to sit. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks, Rabbi. <laughs>